Good morning, Life Point. Good morning. Hey, good to be here this morning as we continue this series on Games People Play, the Classic Edition. Whenever I think of a board game, I cannot help but think of a game that I despised playing as a child. My sister, I have a sister who's three and a half years younger than me, and she loved playing Candyland. I hated Candyland. It was so boring. No strategy. You don't have to think. You know, you just move the things, and then you roll the wrong number or pull the wrong card, and then you got to go way back. And, but she would always pester me. Well, I'm going to say this. I, I'll regret saying this, but she'd say, Geggy Pie. She used to call me Geggy Pie. Geggy Pie, will you play Candyland with me? See, I regret it already. <laughs> and... Uh, and I said, Mom, do I have to play that game? I don't like that dumb game. She said, play with your sister. Uh, so we played Candyland. So we're not going to do Candyland this morning. I want to talk about a game I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy playing the game Connect Four. Connect Four was uh, first sold in 1974 by Milton Bradley. And it's a game of strategy, much like chess and checkers. You need to think. With each move, you need to be thinking ahead in terms of what might happen. The goal is to connect four discs of the same color Vertically, I always got to think about this. Vertical, horizontal. No, I'm not crossing myself. I'm just doing this to vertically, horizontally, or diagonally. And the first one with four in a row wins the game. And I chose the game Connect Four because I enjoy the game, but more importantly, because I care about what it communicates in this series, and that's connecting people. 48 years ago, I walked into a church in which I knew two people. The woman I was falling in love with, and yes, that would happen to be Sheila, my wife, and her cousin who introduced us, and it was a strange feeling walking into a, a church building where I knew no one, the only two people that I knew. I felt like an outsider. It wasn't a very good feeling. Some of you have walked in here on a Sunday morning without knowing anyone, and you know very well what it feels like. We have all been an outsider at some time or somewhere. I saw a quote several years ago that has greatly impacted me. You see it on the screen now. It says, there's one thing I know. There are two types of people, insiders and outsiders, and everybody wants to be an insider. An outsider has a feeling of being unwanted, not belonging. Being an outsider is a lonely place to be, for deep within each one of us, there's this innate desire to belong, to be part of something larger than ourselves, to be connected with people as we journey through life. We're going to see two quotes that I'm going to read very slowly. Please let them soak into your mind and into your heart and into your soul. Within each of us, there is an intense need to feel that we belong. This feeling of unity and togetherness comes through the warmth of a smile, a handshake, or a hug. This course was written pre-COVID. <laughs> through laughter and unspoken demonstrations of love. It comes in the quiet, reverent moments of soft conversation and listening. New York Times best-selling author, researcher, and speaker Brene Brown says, after collecting thousands of stories, I'm willing to call this a fact. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need 
of all men, women, and children. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. Jesus, of course, knew this without doing all of the research of a social scientist, without collecting thousands of stories and collating the data. So he simply told his disciples, love one another, because he knew the needs of the human heart. Now, when Jesus told them to love one another, he was not commanding them to have feelings for one another, because you cannot command an emotion. He was commanding them to love practically by their behavior, by their actions toward each other. When Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he was telling his listeners what love was to look like. Love is to care for the people we come into contact with. Love is to look out for those people who cross our path, even if we don't know them. When we do this, we demonstrate love, and we help people experience a sense of belonging. <clears throat> what I'm about to say may be the most significant thing that I'll say all morning for some of you. We can never truly belong until we connect. Would you say that with me? We can never truly belong until we connect. Connection is a big deal for us here at LifePoint. Our purpose is to connect people with Jesus and one another as we, help me, gather, connect, and serve. The fact that the word connect appears two times reveals that connecting is at the heart of what we do here. Only occasionally does connecting happen by accident. Almost always, connection requires intentionality. Someone is intentional about reaching out to someone else, meeting someone they don't know, and helping them to connect. Someone is intentional about wanting to belong and takes the initiative to connect with someone or someone else intentionally helps you make that connection, which leads to a sense of belonging. <clears throat> there are several questions we'll wrestle with this morning. These questions lie at the core of everything that I will say, and they're basically the same question, just stated in different ways. How can we help people move from being an outsider to an insider? If there's a group of people in a circle and there is one person or several people outside of the circle, they are not included in that circle. Those outside the circle are outsiders. So how can we help those people move from being an outsider to an insider? Stated another way, how can we help people move from not belonging to belonging? Or yet another way, how can we help people connect here at LifePoint? Since the game is Connect Four, it only seems fitting that we have eight points in this message. I'm kidding. We're going to have four. We're going to have four. All right. Step one, choose to connect. The first step is to choose connect. This is all about the will. This is where you decide if you want to connect or not. You see someone walking in your direction out in the lobby on a Sunday morning, and in your mind, you're thinking about what to do. 
Now, this is only taking a few nanoseconds, if you would, but we're processing and deciding what we're going to do, if we're going to greet the person coming toward us or if we are not going to welcome them. Now, there are a number of one another's that appear in the New Testament, and these are, are very powerful truths, and they communicate the importance and the significance of relationships within the church. And in order to be in relationship with a person, there must be some sort of communication, some sort of connection, a reaching out. Now, if I were to ask you to stand up right now and greet the people around you, you would choose to do what I ask and stand, or you would say, no, I don't want to do that, I'm going to remain seated. And choosing to connect is a choice of the will. It's a decision that each of us makes. When someone walks toward me in the lobby on a Sunday morning, I choose to speak to them or I choose to ignore them. Connecting with others is a decision. We either choose to connect or remain disconnected. There was a time in my life I was going through a very difficult time. I had made a job change and it was affecting me emotionally and spiritually. I wanted to go to a large church where I could get lost, lurk in the shadows. And it was not a very good place to be. I had no interest in connecting with people. I stayed in the car until the service started and as soon as the service was done, I made a beeline for the exit. Not talking to anyone along the way. I chose to tread water in the pool of pain that I had created rather than to reach out to people who could help me and care for me. Some of you may be there today. It wasn't until I made a conscious decision to connect with people, a choice to reach out to people, that I walked out of the shadows and began to establish relationships within the church. That was 20 years ago, and I've never looked back. I remember years ago, Pastor Glenn talking about a book by John Maxwell that greatly impacted him titled, Be a People Person. I too began to realize that being relational, connecting with people was an intentional decision on my part, for connecting is a choice. Make no mistake about it, the New Testament is very clear in instructing us to connect with one another. I'm intrigued that one of these one another's appears four times in the New Testament, and that is the one that says, greet one another with a holy kiss. We see it in Romans and 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 13, and 1 Thessalonians 5. Each time this appears, it appears in the form of an imperative. It's a command. It's not an option. Paul not only says you're to greet one another, but you are to greet one another in a specific way, with a holy kiss. Now, I have a question for us here at LifePoint. Do we want to be a biblical church? Do we want to do what the Bible says? Some of you are feeling uncomfortable already. Would you stand with me? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that was really uncomfortable. Especially if this is your first time, that was extremely uncomfortable. What kind of place is this? <laughs> Greeting people with a kiss is still common practice in some cultures. Leaning in for a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on both cheeks is, is a normal way of greeting people in many places throughout the world. And Paul doesn't say, greet the people you like with a holy kiss or greet the people you know with a holy kiss. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The point I'm making 
is the Bible clearly instructs us to greet one another. We need to be intentional about greeting other people. Before we even arrive here on a Sunday morning, we need to plan to welcome people we have, even before we see them. Henry Ford said, before everything else, getting ready is the secret of success. Before everything else, getting ready is the secret of success. We need to be intentional about reaching out and connecting with other people we meet here at LifePoint. Get ready, and at the conclusion of this service, plan to greet someone that you don't know. Each Sunday that you arrive and walk through those doors, get ready and plan to meet someone that you've not previously met. Choose to welcome them into the fellowship here at LifePoint. Here are some practical tips on choosing to connect. Uh, the first seems really unconnected, but it really is. Choose to get to bed at a reasonable time on Saturday night so you can get to church on time. It's so true, isn't it? You know, you stay up too late and you don't feel like getting up the next morning and, well, we can sleep in a little bit longer. But when we do that, we roll in late, church is underway, we've missed an opportunity to connect with people even before the service has started. Second, choose to arrive at church early or stay late. Before and after church services on Sunday morning are some of the best times, the greatest opportunities we have to connect here at LifePoint. A third is choose to go first. Choose to go first. So who's responsible for this thing of beginning a conversation with someone you don't know? I mean, in a board game, there's instructions on this, right? You flip the dice, and whoever has the high number goes first, or you draw a card, and whoever gets the, the certain card, they go first. But there are no instructions in life in terms of who takes the initiative in terms of greeting. I know exactly what you introverts are thinking right now. That's the extrovert's responsibility. They're the ones. They should start this. God wired them that way. The extroverts are the ones that should initiate conversation. But think about it this way. If you're having an open house or a neighborhood picnic at your home, and there are some people who are there that you do not know, who should go first? Who should take the initiative? Who should make the first move? Should it be you or your guest? Have you heard of football coaches talking about a, a home game and the opposing team comes into their house? Okay. And we're not going to let them push us around in our house. This is our house, right? That kind of scenario. Now, don't miss this. If you consider LifePoint to be your house, your home church, it doesn't matter if you've been here five months or five years. On a Sunday morning, this is your house. This is your house. Would you walk past someone at your house without acknowledging them if they were new? So take the initiative. If someone falls down and you reach out your hand to help them up, what's their natural response? What's their natural inclination is to put their hand up. They just need somebody to help them get started. They need someone to help them up. Those of us who consider LifePoint our home, this is our house and we have that opportunity. We have a responsibility, I believe, before God to reach out and to help others in Choosing connect, relate, to connect relationally involves both parties. Yes, the outsider and the insider. 
reaching out to each other. Connecting involves the one who belongs reaching out to the one who does not yet belong, but who is looking for a place to belong and just needs a little help getting there. Don't you want to be that person? Choose to connect. The second step is to employ the six principles of connecting. Employ the six principles of connecting. Before we begin connecting, there are some essential principles that we must know, some things that we must understand. Um, and we need to put these into practice. What, they're nothing new. In fact, they're, they're really not even from the Bible. That may be troubling to some of us, but they're biblical principles. They're, these principles are found in, actually in Dale Carnegie's classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Something I learned while attending Asbury College is that all truth is ultimately God's truth. So these principles, even though they're found in a secular book, still apply to us. They have biblical background and they're biblical principles. They are essential practical skills for us to learn and to put into practice if we want to have meaningful connections with people. I'll post these levels, steps, and principles on the LifePoint private group Facebook page later this week. If you're not a member there, I encourage you to, uh, to join so you can check those out. The first principle is become genuinely interested in other people. Become genuinely interested in other people. This does have a biblical background to it. Philippians 2, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of other people. If you're in a life group, this is assumed to take place and to happen there. But expand the number of people that you are reaching out to and the number of relationships that you have here in the life of the church. Reach out to someone that you don't know yet. Become genuinely interested in other people. A second principle is a very simple one, really. Smile. Smile. Now, who is more approachable? Someone who's got a mug like this or someone who greets you like this? Which is more approachable? It's so obvious. It's, it's so simple. And it's even easier to smile. It takes less effort than to frown. So I want to encourage us to smile on a Sunday morning. Principle number three, learn the person's name. Learn the person's name. You know, it's so much easier to talk with someone when we know their name. Something happened to me about two weeks ago. I met someone, and I, and I had the names, and I'm leaving. It's okay. I think I got the names. I think I got the names. I see them the following week, and they're walking towards me, and it's like, I don't remember their names. I don't remember their names. Anybody been there? Hmm? And so what are, the tenden- what are the options we've got at that point? We can avoid them. All right, I've done that, I'm sorry to say, because I'm too embarrassed, I didn't remember the name, so I avoided them. Or we could say, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Or we could just start talking and just pretend like, oh, yeah, I've known you for years, I know your name, but we don't bring it up, right? But, you know, and, and something that is really crucial to helping us, we, we encourage people to wear name tags here at LifePoint, and this is not just some trivial kind of thing. It's, this is really important because it helps us connect. It helps us to get to know one another. It makes it so much easier to approach someone when you know their name. So I encourage you each Sunday morning when you come in to, to grab a name tag out in the lobby. It will enhance relationship opportunities. A fourth principle is be a good listener. What's that? Somebody said, be a good listener. 
be a good listener, be attentive, be an active listener, be engaged in the conversation. Active listening will ask additional questions about an answer that's been given, and I'll demonstrate that in a few minutes. This is how we really get to know someone when we begin to ask some questions. Principle five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. We've all had conversations with people where they talked about themselves, and how engaging is that? <laughs> Not for me, you know, uh, that's, that's a hard one for me. But you engage someone in conversation and ask them questions about themselves, it's easy for them to talk about themselves. And we just need to be an active listener then. It's a great opportunity. In that process, we learn about them. We learn things about them, things that we have in common, for it's those things that we have in common really that allow us to connect. Principle number six is make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. It's nice to meet you, not just hi, but it's nice to meet you and to really mean that. I'm glad to see you here this morning. How are you doing? Look at them while talking with them. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to someone and they're looking over your shoulder? Uh, might as well just walk away, right? So make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. The next step is, is so basic, so, uh, and, and that's this whole thing of acknowledging people. We need to acknowledge people. Listen to a story found in Luke chapter 7. And here we see Jesus acknowledge a woman. Listen to the story. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the stretcher where they were, carrying, they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This miracle of raising this young man to life began where? Where did it begin? It began when Jesus looked at her. Jesus is about to enter the town gate. He's not alone. He's with his 12 disciples, and likely some other people as well were with him. So there's a crowd of people entering the town gate. Coming the other way is a funeral procession. And there's a crowd of people there. In the midst of these two crowds coming right toward one another, Jesus, living in the moment, looks at the woman. He looks at her and he sees her. I grew up in small town America. And in small town America, you acknowledge everyone you see on the street, even if you don't know them. I remember asking my mom one day, I was riding my bike down the street to the little store, down, the, down on the crossroads, and I passed Mr. Stamey. Mr. Stamey was like about 80 years old, and, and he was always, and the weather was nice, he was always sitting on his porch swing. And I remember waving to him, hey, Mr. Stamey, on the way down, I'm, no, I'm probably 10 years old, something like that. Five minutes later, I'm coming back, Mr. Stamey's still in the porch swing, and it's like, well, do I still? Hey, Mr. Stamey, you know, I just talked to him five minutes ago, so I asked my mom, what do I do? What, you know, what should I do in this situation? She said, well, you already said hi to him. Just look at him and smile or wave. 
And I thought, wow, you know, that's a good practical thing, application. Here's what I want us to do. View our lobby on a Sunday morning as small-town America. It is. It's small-town America. View every person you see as a friend you have not yet met. Smile at each person you see and encounter. But this requires intentionality for all of us, but especially for those of us who are task-oriented and those of us who are involved in ministry on a Sunday morning. We have a task to do, and we can be so focused on the task that we'll walk right past people without seemingly knowing that they're even there. You know how I know? Because I've done it. I also know because I've experienced it. And if you're involved in a ministry here at LifePoint on a Sunday morning, I have a question for you. Is your ministry for God or God's people? It's for both, isn't it? It's for both. So don't ignore either. Don't ignore either. We need to be intentional about living in the moment and acknowledging the people who share that moment with us. When a task needs to be done, there's this temptation to make the task more important than the people for whom the task is being done. If this morning I walk past you in the lobby without looking at you, how does that make you feel? What does that convey to you? Feeling seen and acknowledged is a powerful human need. The traditional greeting among South Africans is Ubuntu, which means I see you. And not this kind of I see you like I'm watching you, but I see you, I acknowledge you that you exist and that you're important and you're valued. Danny Meyer, who is owner or co-owner of 11 New York City restaurants, including Shake Shack, Union Square Cafe, and Gramercy Tavern, says the number one reason guests cite for wanting to return to a restaurant is that they go there, they feel seen and recognized. The most consistent compliment we've received and the one I'm always proudest to hear is, I love your restaurants and the food is fantastic, but what I really love is how great the people are. The number one reason guests cite for wanting to return to a restaurant is that when they go there, they feel seen and recognized. The employees have far more impact on whether we succeed than any of the food ingredients we use, the decor of our dining rooms, the bottles of wine in our cellars, or even the location of our restaurants, because hospitality is a dialogue. And I thought, wow. And I thought, you know what? That applies to us here at LifePoint as well. I believe we have incredible music here at LifePoint, and we just experienced it a few minutes ago. We have incredible preaching and teaching here at LifePoint. I, part of me balks at saying that because I'm up here. I'm not thinking of me as much as, as Glenn and others. But the first time that um, he was just Glenn at the time, but the first time I heard uh, Pastor Glenn uh, lead a devotional for a small group that we were part of back around 19, fall of 1987, afterwards I thought, wow, this guy has an incredible teaching gift, an incredible teaching gift. And you all have experienced that. We all have experienced that. We have some great ministries here at LifePoint, uh, from LifePoint Kids to the Food Pantry to Celebrate Recovery, to name just a few. 
But as good as all of that is, and as important as all of that is, if we are not friendly, if we are not a welcoming congregation, we're missing the mark. We're dropping the ball. Make acknowledging people a priority. Try to meet one person that you've not previously met each week. Because there was a time each one of us was that person. And we wanted someone to welcome us, didn't we? Here are some practical ways to acknowledge people. Walk through the lobby slowly. Walk through the lobby slowly. There have been times when I've been on a mission that I walk through the lobby like this. I don't have much time to connect with people when I'm walking through like that, do I? Another way is to make eye contact with people. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about our head being an oscillating fan <laughs> in the lobby. Every, you know, that's, we just stand here like this. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here. I, I'm saying we need to be mindful of others around us. Look at others when we walk by or when they walk by. Smile when we see them not just with our lips, but with our eyes. And we learned how to do that in COVID, didn't we? We learned that we can smile with our eyes. Look for people who are alone. How many people have heard of the buddy bench in, in schools? Primarily, I guess, elementary schools, they have a buddy bench where kids are new and they, you know, they don't have any friends. And so a lot of schools are put in a buddy bench and the teachers would talk with the, the children that had been students there for a while and say, okay, there's a buddy bench. And the purpose of the buddy bench is when someone new and they feel like they don't have a friend, they'll sit there. And so watch the buddy bench and see if there's somebody at the buddy bench, go over there saying, I'm looking for a friend. Would you be my friend. And I thought, can we have a buddy bench life point? I thought, nah, that seems a little. But then I thought, you know what? We kind of have some places. And over the past six weeks, I've discovered two different times, there were some folks sitting at some of the tables out in the lobby by themselves. And I thought, ah, this is kind of like a buddy bench. The fact that they didn't make a beeline for the door indicates they're looking for a relationship. They're, they would like for someone to take the initiative to engage them in conversation, to meet them, and to welcome them. And after acknowledging people, the next step in connecting is to talk with people. Yeah, we gotta do that at some point, right? You gotta talk with them. We can smile all we want, but we gotta go a step beyond that. When people come into this building on a Sunday morning, they know very well that they're entering a church where there's going to be other people. In fact, they expect human interaction. They walk through those doors, and they yes, they want to connect with God, but they also want to connect with other people who are also pursuing a relationship with God. It's in this process of together seeking a relationship with God that we help one another, we encourage one another. Don't disappoint them. Don't disappoint them. Say hi to those in your life group, but don't spend your whole time with your life group, you're gonna be spending time with them later on. Remember when you were new and reach out to someone that you don't know. In 1985, when Sheila and I and our two young daughters moved to Kentucky, we went to a, a larger church, I don't know, about three, 400 people, and we didn't know anybody. We knew absolutely no one. And we went to a, a class afterwards, and a guy came up to us and said, where are you from? And I said, Pennsylvania. He said, us too! 
and we had a connection. And we began to talk. They invited us back to their place for dinner that evening. And a relationship was underway. In a moment, I'm going to share how I begin a conversation with someone I don't know, but there's no cookie-cutter approach to this, and this is certainly not the only way or even the best way. Some of you are far better at this than I am, but it, it works for me. The hardest part of talking with people you don't know is breaking the ice. How do you get started? Where do you jump in? How do you begin a conversation with someone you don't know? The key for me in talking with people is to look for common ground. Look for common ground. Say that with me. Look for common ground. Try to find something you already have in common. You know what? Every one of us who's here right now has something in common with everybody else. You know what it is? We're all here at LifePoint, right? That, that is something that we have in common. So my, my go-to question to start things off is, how did you find LifePoint? How did you find LifePoint? That's easy. Uh, that doesn't take too much stretching. And that question, depending on how they respond, then that leads to another question, and a conversation is off and running and underway. Um, so I've heard the response. When I say, how did you hear about LifePoint? I've heard the response. Well, I travel by here every day, um, and so I've been thinking about it for a while, um, and that leads to me to, then to a follow-up question. Well, do you live nearby? That's a fair assumption, right? You know, I'm not a brain scientist, but the very fact that they see this, seeing the sign all the time, it's like, oh, they must live nearby. Well, you know, you live nearby. And, uh, and to which I've recently received the response, yes, I live on Route 39 near Giant, and I teach elementary school in Mechanicsburg. Well, now, I want to interrupt this actual conversation to explain uh, part of what was going on in my mind as this began to happen. Um, when, when we listen attentively, okay, when we're really paying attention to what the other person says, we should be cataloging this information in our mind. Danny Meyer calls this collecting the dots. Collecting the dots. Collecting the dots is making a mental note of the information that someone shares with us to use in, in, for additional conversation or to use in the future in connecting people with other people. So in this conversation, I'm making mental notes, young engaged couple, she lives on 39 near Giant, she teaches elementary school in Mechanicsburg. He works in commercial real estate. Now back to the conversation. In my mind, I'm thinking, we have three grandchildren who are or were in elementary school in Mechanicsburg. So I ask, which elementary school? Guess what? Turns out to be the same elementary school. Boom, we're off and running. A connection is made. You just need to ask some questions and listen carefully and to, to try to put it all together. It's kind of like putting the puzzle together. It's like the pieces are all there. We just need to ask the right questions to find the information and put it together. Here's the point. Once the ice is broken and you find something in common to talk about, the conversation tends to flow. Once a common ground is established, there's a sense of connection. Knowing you have something in common makes conversation so much easier. Whereas when you're the first one to speak, it's a monologue. When a conversation begins, it becomes a dialogue. This is when connection really happens. It's in our interaction, it's in our dialogue with other people that we truly begin to connect. Now, there are a lot of points in this message so far, aren't there? Four steps to connection, six principles of connecting, four levels of connection I'm going to talk about next. So I promise you, the next time I speak, the message will be totally pointless, all right? 
Uh, somebody told me, you know, there's got to be, you always, you know, our, our daughters refer to you as the guy with the dad jokes when you speak, you know, so you, you got to have a dad joke, so there it is. All right, so now, four levels of connection. Level one, and that's connecting on a Sunday morning. This is where connection starts. Level one connection is the introductory level which paves the way for all the others. This is a foundational level where connection begins. Level one connection is when you meet someone on a Sunday morning. For example, I have, you're in the nursery, you have a child in the nursery, someone else comes in who has a child in the nursery, and you begin to talk. You've got something in common already. You both have a child in the nursery. Take the initiative. Just say something to the other, the other person, and, and off you go. As we get to know one another, we're collecting dots, learning pieces of information about each other. Level one connection is great. It's the starting place for every relationship, but it's just the beginning. Don't stop at level one, connecting. The next level, of course, is level two. And level two is connecting beyond Sunday. Our own Jess Gaiman coined this phrase two weeks ago at a leadership meeting. And this is where we go out for lunch. We do something beyond. This is the second level. Go out for lunch after church or during the week, go to dinner or see a movie. It's amazing what happens relationally when we sit across a table and have a meal with people and begin to talk and get to know one another. Level two connecting exponentially increases our connection far beyond what can ever occur out here in the lobby on a Sunday morning. We begin to really get to know the person. Level three connection is connecting with a group of people. Connecting with a group of people, not just an individual, but now with a group of people. There are two primary ways that it happens for us here at LifePoint. It happens in a life group or in a, in a ministry. It's in life groups where we meet on a regular basis with five to 12 people, where we study together, we pray together, and we get to know one another and help one another connect. We get involved in, a, in the ministry of the church. We're involved in a particular ministry, be it in LifePoint Kids, with the food pantry, the worship team, a number of other ministries that are beginning to unfold for us. As we get involved at, these, at this level, at level three, connecting with a group of people where we really begin to get a sense of belonging. Here a person moves from being an observer to a participant. It is here that a sense of ownership takes place. We now truly begin to refer to LifePoint as my church. On Sunday evening, April 24th, the first of three You Belong classes will be held here at the church. I encourage anyone who's come within the last year to make it a priority. Put that on your schedule. Uh, April 24th, and there will be three of those. This is a great way for you to begin getting connected to LifePoint. Level four connection is the final level. <clears throat> and this is when one person connects one other person with another person. This is when Sally connects Rob with Sue. The story you're about to hear is true. The names have not been changed because no one's guilty of anything. We were in the process of considering having a softball team. I knew that RJ loved softball. I knew that Shane loved baseball. RJ and Shane did not know one another. Shane and RJ are introduced to one another, go to a softball organizational meeting, and Shane and RJ are now going to be uh, coaching our softball team here at LifePoint. That's what level four connection looks like. That's where you use the sphere of relationships, the friendships that you have, the dots that you've collected, and you begin to connect people with people. 
and say, oh, they have this in common and they have this in common. I, this is the most exciting of this whole thing to me. I get really charged by this. Um, a, a couple months ago, I'm out in the lobby one day and it's like, oh, works to med center, works to med center, works to med center, works to med center. Hey, you got a minute? Come over here. You got a minute? Come over here. Somebody I want you to meet. That's, so these four people, these four ladies come over. None of them knew anybody. I said, you all have something in common. Do you know you all work at the med center? And they start talking. Says, oh, where do you work? Where do you work? And I just see you. I walk away. You know? But now all of a sudden, four people have, have established a connection. They've got some relationships that they didn't have previously. Um, you know, we've got a number of people in the medical profession as well. And same kind of thing. Hey, do you know James? Do you know Scott? Do you know Ryan? Do you... Do, do they go here? I, I, no, I've heard. I've never heard of them. Well, hey, I, I want to introduce you to them. And, and relationships and connections are established. Whereas level one connection is about us getting to know one other person and collecting the dots, level four connection is introducing that person you, that you already know to someone else because you're connecting the dots. It's at this point of connecting the dots that it really gets exciting and, ex and things happen exponentially because the church is growing exponentially right now. There are a lot of people coming in. And in order for us to help people get connected, to help people belong, we need to help people. We can't expect each individual to do this on their own. So use the information you have, the dots that you've collected, to think about who can I introduce them to. And so when you meet someone new, this morning it happened for me first service. I, I met a gentleman afterwards, and he said, I'm a retired truck driver. I, I thought, I collected the dot from before. It's like, oh, you, you need to meet Joe. Joe's a truck driver. And I introduced them between services, and they started talking. And a relationship is established. It's so much fun. It's so exciting to see it happen, to help other people get connected. In a church this size, and as we continue to grow, everybody cannot know everybody. In fact, nobody can know everybody. But everybody must know somebody. I'm energized by this and this inspires something deep within me and I'm trying to, I want to pass that on to you this morning because I can't do this alone. I need your help. Will you join me in this game of Connect Four? It's your move. Let's pray.